0: Welcome to the Devoted City Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit DevotedCity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. So it was a little around uh, 10 or 12 years ago that I woke up in the middle of the night and... uh, The best way to describe it is just full-on panic for no reason. There's no reason. Nothing was going on bad. It was just panic. It was anxiety that was just rising up inside of me. And I woke up the next day, went on, next night happened again, next night. And then I got into this rhythm of just feeling this, especially nighttime, this this, this panic. And I didn't know why. And that set me on a several-month journey to find out why. And I did and put all that behind me and conquered it. So today we're talking about that. We're talking about anxiety, talking about worry. And if you deal with that, you know it's real. Jesus has something to say about it. And that's what we're talking about today. So let's pray as we jump into what he has to tell us. God, we open up your word today. And those of us that are worried or letting the world cause anxious thoughts and feelings and senses of panic, God, may. May your word minister to us today. May the words that I read and say speak to people right where they are and help them find hope and help them see a clear pathway to put the worry and the anxiety behind them. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're joining us for the first time today, we're still in a series called What Jesus Taught. It's through Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus has done in the Sermon on the Mount was, it was a specific sermon on a specific day to this large group of people who were following him. And what Jesus is doing in this teaching, number one, he's revealing what he believes. So if you wanna know what Jesus believes uh, about a lot of different topics, read Matthew five, six, and seven and you'll see what Jesus believes. But here's what he's doing. He's teaching a group of people, including us, what kingdom living looks like. And what we mean by kingdom living is what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God? And the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in the hearts of people. It's not a place, it's not a palace, it's God ruling and reigning in our hearts. And so what we've learned from Jesus is what does it look like to live a life in his kingdom with him ruling and reigning in our hearts. He reveals truths to us to live by, especially the one he's talking about today. So here's a question I want you to kind of hold in your thoughts as I speak and read from God's word today. And here it is. Ask yourself this question. What causes me to be anxious? What is it? What causes me to be anxious? It could be a lot of different things. There's legitimate reasons to look out at the world and have concern. Maybe if you're a parent, you're really concerned with the things that are influencing your kids' lives that are getting thrown into your kids' lives against your will. And so you may, maybe you're really concerned about that and, and you think about it and think, well, I've got to act, I've got to do something because I don't want my child not knowing what truth is. And there's all these other influences, whether it's uh, in person or on social media or friends or whatever that's, that's influencing your kids and so you worry about that. And maybe you're in a relationship and you're really worried about the, the state of the relationship, maybe it's not healthy, maybe it, it's more bad than good. And you're just struggling with what do I do and it's just on your mind all the time or maybe for you it's money, that's what Jesus has just talked about He talked a little bit about money and where we should have that in our perspective. Maybe you just look out at the world around us and go, it's a mess. What should I do? Now, before I jump deeper into talking about worry and anxiety, let me tell you what I'm not talking about specifically. I'm not talking about a physiological issue that many people deal with. For many people, however, worry and anxiety can be conquered through prayer, and discipline and jumping in even deeper to God's word. It can be conquered by uh, a shift in our priorities. That's the kind of worry and anxiety I'm talking about. Now for some, they can do all of that and it's still not possible because there's something else going on that you need to talk to a a biblically grounded, uh, biblical worldview-minded professional that can, uh, through the power of God working through them, help you. That's what some of you need to do. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about those of us who can conquer anxiety, panic, and worry with doing what Jesus said to do. What if you could stop the anxiety in your life and end it for good? Jesus believes that we can. And in this next section in Matthew chapter six, he gives the people he's speaking to that day, some very clear uh, revelation to what they're worrying about and anxious about and then how they can get that out of their lives. It's in Matthew chapter six, beginning at verse 25. Normally I read from uh, the NIV, New International Version. Today I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. It sounds a little more formal. I just like the way it words it in a little more formal way. It says the same thing starting in verse 25. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life, Yet I tell you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So at the core of worry and anxiety, is a lack of faith. Now, don't let that throw you into guilt because Jesus is gonna give us a clear way to walk through worry and anxiety. Now, depending on the translation you read, it may have the word worry instead of uh, anxious. Uh, It comes from the same Greek word, means the same thing, and it just simply means to be troubled with cares. So worry would work, but anxious just to me sounds a little deeper than worry does. In fact, if it were translated word for word, it would say, take no thought for your life. So what Jesus is trying to get them to do is the same thing he's been doing in the Sermon on the Mount is, I need you, if you wanna live in the kingdom of God, you gotta remove your life from the world and connect your life to me. And areas where there's worry are areas where your life is connected to the world. That's what he's saying. He's just finished saying, be careful where your priorities are. Make sure your priorities are heavenly directed rather than earthly directed because if not, you're gonna end up empty handed when it's all over. And then he says, therefore, don't be anxious because when we focus too much on here instead of there, anxiety is the result. And so Jesus is talking to this large group of people who must have had anxious thoughts about a lot of things. And so he says, you're worried about all this stuff. You're anxious about all this stuff. Let me tell you, here's what Jesus is saying. I think every reason to be anxious is also an opportunity to have faith because he's like, Hey, you have little faith. If, If you're feeling anxiety and I learned this personally, every time you feel anxiety and worry coming on that's an opportunity am i going to place faith and trust in what god said and when we miss that here's what happens our anxiety can leave us to a pl- lead us to a place of being totally paralyzed from making any decisions when i was walking through a season of anxiety and panic i could not make any i couldn't even decide what to have for lunch I mean, I couldn't decide, do I go on this road or that road or choose uh, this article or that article of clothing, whatever. I just could not make any decisions and I was paralyzed. I was frozen from the simplest decisions. I've been there and some of you probably been there too. Here's another thing that happens uh, when we don't take anxiety as an opportunity to exercise our faith is that when our anxiety is up, our faith is down. You can't have high anxiety and high faith operating at the same level. One can win out over the other. And when anxiety wins, faith is down. Another thing that happens is anxiety and worry. It affects us physically. Just look that up of all the physical problems people have because of anxiety and worry. Here's what anxiety and worry is. It's thinking about using your brain to think about the future and what you don't want to happen my mother, God bless her. She thinks about what she doesn't want to happen more than what she hopes happened. So she had this saying, and I still laugh about it to her. She's 87 and I don't make fun of her. I just laugh with her. But so when I was a kid, there was no, she couldn't call me up and see where I was. So if I was late getting home, this is what I heard. I had no idea where you were. I thought you were over a hillside dead somewhere. That was her thing. You could be over hillside dead. She still says that if she can't reach us. But now I've put my phone on hers and now she knows where I am all the time. But she would think about the future and all the bad things that could happen. Now parents, we do that. So I cut her a little break, right? Don't we all do that? But anytime something happens, she would think about the future. What she doesn't want to happen. That's what we're doing when we let ourselves be gripped with fear and anxiety. We're thinking about the future and what we don't want to see happen. What if you flip that? You have, your brain can think creatively, so think creatively about what you would like to see happen rather than what you wouldn't want to see happen. That can make a big difference, just that one little switch. A few years ago, a lady at our church turned 100, was at our other campus in Cary. And I told her when she was like 95, I said, when you turn hundred, we've never celebrated a birthday on stage. I'm gonna bring you up on the stage and we're gonna celebrate your birthday. And we did it, we brought her in. She drives in, in her car, goes around to the back of the car, gets her walker out, comes on into the building in her walker, she, and it comes time in the service, we call her down. She comes down and, and I just ask her, tell me what it's like to be hundred and what got you there. And she dropped some of the biggest pieces of wisdom I have ever heard. And they all revolved around living a life of faith, living a life with the ability to forgive other people and to move on. Having the ability, not just to forgive, but also just move on and don't let it affect your day to day life. And thing after thing, she was, we were like, Oh my gosh, I should be right. We didn't record it. I was like, why well, did not record that? And so I go home and try to write down everything she said. Cause I thought that might be one of the pathways to make it to hundred. Here's what she did not say. Well, I worried a lot. I was really anxious and I worried a lot and I worried my way to 100. That lady, after we did that interview, uh, she lived over a year longer and she made it through a stroke and COVID. And I go in the hospital and I see her when she had the stroke. She couldn't talk anymore. And I walked over to her bedside. I said, Hey, Josie, it's Donnie. I'm here to see you. And she went, No words, and she's still being positive. What if we did that? What if instead of focusing on what we don't wanna happen and all the bad stuff going on around us, we focused and used our minds to think about the life that God wants for us? See, any time spent worrying about tomorrow is wasted time. Now, do we have concerns about tomorrow? Yeah, we, we need to be concerned about Are we saving enough? Are we teaching our kids the right thing? Are we eating better? Are we healthy? Are we exercising? Planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow and being anxious about it is a waste of time because you can't change it. Now for those people on the hillside that day, here's what they heard. Hey, Jesus thinks we're worrying about food, clothing and shelter because that's what he said. Jesus thinks we're worrying about the necessities. Clearly they were, or Jesus would not have brought it up. And what he's telling them is, hey, this is what you all are worried about, food, clothing, and shelter. They were in a culture where that was a lot harder to obtain than it is today. And so that's what they're worried about, the basic necessities. And Jesus is saying, life is even worth more than that. Life is worth more than worrying about what you're gonna eat, drink, or wear. And so what Jesus is doing is helping them put the necessities in perspective. And so he ask them the question, are you not more valuable than my creation, than, than nature? Are you not more valuable than a, than a bird or a flower? I'll take care of them. And here's what he wants them to know. If he takes care of them, he will take care of me. If he's taking care of birds and flowers and animals and plants, then he's gonna take care of me. There's this squirrel that hangs out on my back deck. I don't know why it comes up on my back deck. It'll sit there like plant another tomato. I dare you, just plant another tomato. I don't know what it's saying. But it's just kind of looking in at us and, and it, it needs to be more worried than it is because if it chews through my drain pipe again, all I'm saying, I might call some people. I know people. <laughs> Uh, But it never looks worried. It never looks like it wonders where its food is coming from. There's a bird that nests in this one bush. I don't know how long birds live, but it feels like it's done it for like at least three or four years, uh, showing up in the same bush. It looks like the same bird. Uh, I think it is, or a bird that looked like it told it. That was a good place to put a nest. But it it puts its nest there, and then it goes out to the little mulch area in our yard, and it eats bugs and worms and whatever it finds out there. It never looks worried. Have you ever seen a worried bird? No, you haven't because God takes care of those and Jesus is bringing it down to the basic level and saying, if I can take care of this one little creature, I can take care of you. If I can create, and he probably picked a flower and said, if I can do this, I can take care of you. And he refers to Solomon, that's King Solomon if you don't know the story. King Solomon was the richest man who had lived at that point and, and for many centuries after that. Uh, he was, in today's dollars, he would be a multi-billionaire with all the things that he had. He had this extravagant lifestyle, they would have known the story. And he's saying even King Solomon in all the glory that he had is not as well taken care of as this little flower. And then he says, hey, it's, it's like grass. You see this beautiful grass? And God creates it. And today it's alive and tomorrow it's thrown into the, the oven, which that just meant people come and get it, burn it for, to, to cook in their ovens. And so here's a modern way of what Jesus is saying. Uh, life is short, so don't worry. <laughs> Write that down. I'll see you here next week. Right. That's really all you need to know. Life is short, so don't worry. I mean, look at the character of God and observe the way he takes care of nature you have nothing to worry about? We can all tell a story of somebody who was worried about something or somebody had a need in their life and God showed up in a big way and whether it was money, support, gifts, whatever it was, God works. And God is saying, don't worry about those things. And maybe you're like, hey, I got that. I don't worry about food, clothing, and shelter. I bet you worry about other things. I bet you had some anxiety when, if you're a parent, when you think about the world your kid is growing up in It's easy to get anxious. It's easy to get worried about that. When people have agendas to teach your kids stuff that are so anti-truth and anti-biblical and against God and teach your kids those things against your will. Wow, that's, that's a big deal. And that's happening every single day at an increasing rate. Now you're responsible for your kids. And then when you look at culture, you're thinking, Ooh, man, it's getting worse. Every day, every single day. When I think about what my kids are taught, it's worse. Remember this, when that anxiety comes up in you, every reason to be anxious is also an opportunity to have faith. So how can I take those worries that I just mentioned, whether it's parents or relationship or whatever it is, how can I take those those worries, those reasons to be anxious, how can I take those and turn them into an opportunity to have faith? Yes, there are things to worry about and be concerned about. But if we're worrying about something we can't change, we're wasting our time. I, I read one quote, it's, it's a little more harsh than what I would say. Uh, worrying about something you can't change is stupid. I don't disagree with it, I just, I didn't say that. <laughs> worry about the things you can control and you can change. So if you're worried about your kids, teach your kids the truth. If you're worried about somebody teaching them something that's not true, then teach them what's true. That's your responsibility. You can control that. If you're worried about the negative influences of culture on your kids, teach them the positive way to view things through the eyes of the kingdom of God, through a biblical worldview. Teach them that. Because that's an opportunity for you to have faith. So what do you do? You gotta learn the truth first. Because if you don't have it, how can you give it to anybody else? you gotta learn it. And then you gotta learn how to speak it. To speak the truth of God to people, especially those around you, especially those little ones around you. Now the changing of hearts, that's up to God. We can't change people's hearts. We can speak words of truth. Now the world's definition of truth is very different. The world's definition of truth is more like, don't offend anybody. Don't make sure you don't make anybody mad. Don't make sure you don't hurt anybody's feelings. That's not the definition. The definition of truth is saying that which is accurate, no matter what the outcome is. And truth is based on something outside of ourselves. And anytime truth starts to be based on people's feelings, throw down the book, shut the browser down, plug up your ears because that's not from God. And then Jesus says this in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Again, here's what Jesus is doing He is comparing with he's comparing what the world believes. He could have used, he said Gentiles, he could have said pagan, he could have said false worshipers because that was the word he used there was a word that described people who worshiped false gods. People who trusted in a false god and the way they live their life is they seek after things on their own based on what they want, not on what God wants for them. So really, this consistent comparison between uh, the pagan world and the kingdom of God carries throughout the New Testament, but specifically Jesus talks about it throughout the Sermon on the Mount, so he can let people know, this is what the world thinks, don't think like that. Don't act like that, don't believe like that. Because if you're in the kingdom of God, it should be different how you act from how people outside the kingdom of God act. It should be different the way people outside the kingdom of God believe and those inside the kingdom of God. Priorities should be different outside the kingdom of God than they are inside the kingdom of God. When I align myself with the world, I am not aligned with God. So whatever you're doing, like work, whatever you're, 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 you're confronted with, whatever it is, and if it's not aligned with God, don't align yourself with it. Stay away from it. And it's sad when Christians sound more like the world than they do like the family of God and use moral, more worldly approaches than they do kingdom of God approaches. And it happens all the time, I see it. And when, when people who say they follow Jesus, but they don't, they don't follow Jesus's definition of love or grace or acceptance, Because the world's definition of love is simply this. Say, whatever anybody wants to do is okay. And if you do that, then you love them. Biblical definition of love is this. You need to act in the best interest of the other person. And it never says, as long as they're okay with it. As long as they like it, as long as it makes them feel good. Acceptance, the world has a very different view of that. The world is narrow. The world says you think like this or you're canceled or you're out. The kingdom of God says, this is open for everybody. Anybody that wants to come to Jesus can. And all the change that we all need in our lives when we come to him, he helps us do that. The world says, here's how you think, however many commandments the world has, you think like this or you're out and you're hated and it's okay to hate you and kick you out. Then the kingdom of God says, this is open to everybody and the changes you need in your life to align yourself with the will of God, he will give you the strength to do that. The same way he gives you the strength to overcome anxiety and worry. What Jesus is saying is simply this, trust me, just trust me. What if you, those of you that have little kids, so let's say you got a five or six year old and you come in one day and they're sitting on the couch and they look worried and they've got, they're wringing their hands and maybe, maybe their eyes are teared up, you would sit down with them and you would say, honey, what is wrong? And if the five year old said, I, I, have you all paid the mortgage? I'm just a little worried about the mortgage. And we were in the car the other day and I looked and I know mom likes to risk it, but it was closer to E than it was to F. And, and I was a little worried. And when I turned my light on this morning, I flipped it on and, and, and it came on, but I thought, did they pay the electric bill? Is it gonna come on tomorrow? If your kid did that, you would sit down with them immediately and you would say, look, look in my eyes. Your job is to be a five-year-old. Mom and dad have got all that stuff covered and you don't even have to think about it. You don't have to worry if the light's gonna come on. You don't have to worry if we're gonna make the house payment, you don't have to worry if we're gonna have uh, the the car full of gas or not. You don't have to worry about those things. That's my job as a parent to worry about those things for you. I will take care of that. You go about the business of being a five-year-old. That's what you would say or something like it. So what do you think God says to us when we go, well, I'm worried about this and culture and I'm worried about that over there and I'm worried about this, what would he say? You know what? Your job is to live the full life I've given you in my kingdom. I'm gonna worry about those things. You just be about what I want you to be about and I'm gonna take care of all that. Go enjoy that full life that I've promised. That's what he'd do. He'll sit down with you and he'll say, I've got that covered. The future's all mine. And I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to teach you. And I'm going to show you grace. So go out and live that full life that I promised. That's what he would say. Every reason to be anxious is also an opportunity to have faith. And then Jesus says, here's here's how you do it. Verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. I love the way it says this. We don't talk like this, but it sounds cool. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other translations, it might say the day has enough trouble of its own. But what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? It means, number one, the rule and reign of God in my heart. That's what it means, it's in our heart. if we're gonna have the kingdom of God and we're gonna live for the kingdom of God, it's his rule and reign in our hearts that, that is over everything. And if God is ruling in my heart, who's not ruling in my heart? Me. And that's consistent throughout scripture. Jesus said, if you wanna find your life, guess what you have to do first, lose it. If you wanna follow me, he says, deny yourself. Now, you don't get that kind of teaching anywhere else but in the family of God. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. See, the world would say your feelings are over everything else and however you feel, that's reality, how's that going for everybody? It's making everything crazy where nobody knows how to define anything. And people get to choose whatever they wanna be called because it's all based on feelings. But the kingdom of God our feelings are below what the word of God says 100% of the time. And when we get those out of order, worry, fear, and anxiety creep in. So you wanna seek first the kingdom of God? Make sure God is ruling your life and keep that perspective always. When your feelings start to fight and and the things that we fight, that we wanna do, that we shouldn't do, make sure you have the perspective of God is ruling my life. And I love it the way Jesus says, uh, you can't change tomorrow by worrying about it. Here's how you can change tomorrow, pray about it. I love this quote from theologian, Michael Green. He says, the past cannot be changed. The future cannot be charted. So worry about them is useless and debilitating. So if I'm going to seek God, how am I gonna do it? Well the first thing you can do is just seek Him, seek Jesus. Now this is, this is power. The power of His words, the power of viewing everything through the lens of the family of God and the kingdom of God, as we seek Him can change everything. We say it all the time, Jesus changes everything. When somebody gets baptized, you get a t-shirt that says Jesus changes everything. And this idea that seeking God reduces worry and anxiety caught on in the church. We know that because we can read about what the first century church was taught years after Jesus said these words. Like in Philippians chapter four, uh, the apostle Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then later the Apostle Peter said this, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So what he's saying is all that anxiety, give it to me. All that worry, give it to me because I got it handled. It's under control. So we can also seek his kingdom And his kingdom is just simply this, it's being devoted to the priorities of the kingdom of God. And the best way to remember what that means is, I am called to look different than the world around me. I am called to think differently. I'm called to use different resources. I'm called to treat people differently than the world around me. And if I'm leaning too far towards the world, then anxiety and worry and fear are gonna creep in. Parents, teach that to your kids that we are called to look different from the world around us. You may not be able to change all of culture or change a whole system, you may not be able to do that, but you can change that child that you're responsible for. And the, the, the challenge to you is, are you learning the truth and a biblical worldview in such a way that you can communicate it to them? That's your responsibility. And then seek help. Now remember, there's a difference in anxiety that can be conquered by prayer and devotion to God's word and, and rearranging our priorities. And then there's anxiety disorder. That's a whole different thing. One could require medical attention uh, and definitely professional help. And if that's you and you're like, okay, I think, it, I think this is more of a physiological thing and I need professional help. Here's what I encourage you to do to make sure whoever you go to for professional help is someone who has a biblical worldview or you won't be taught the truth. You won't be taught the right way to handle worry, fear, and anxiety. So make sure if you're thinking, I need professional counseling, help, advice, whatever, make sure, just say, hey, do you have a biblical worldview? And now you know what that is. That's looking at everything through the lens of scripture and the kingdom of God. Find a professional like that, and you're on your way and your pathway to freedom. God doesn't want us to be anxious because anxiety erodes our trust in him. See, my bout with worry and anxiety, you know what it ended up doing? It ended up leading me closer to God and more resolved. That is the way we're supposed to go. That is where we're supposed to find our answers. My faith was deeper on the other end than it was on the front end, and yours can be too. See, we all kind of lean towards anxiety. It's just the way we're wired up. But we can conquer it and we can get past it. But what if you just committed to reading Matthew 6, 25 through 34 every day this week? You just read it. And you just kept the thought in your mind. Every reason to be anxious is also an opportunity to have faith. Every reason to be anxious is also an opportunity to have faith. And so then if you get to a place where you feel anxiety coming in, you're thinking, okay, how can I create in this an opportunity to have faith rather than being anxious? And then every day, read these words that we're going to close with today. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. God, we honor your word. Father, may we be convicted to look and sound like we have you ruling and reigning in our hearts. And God, give us strength when we're pulled in the direction of the world. God, let us focus on the resources you've given us to have a full life and not those that lead down a dead end road from the world. God, I, be, I ask you to be with every parent in here that's worried about their child, their child's education, the child's environment. God, I pray you give them the strength to speak words of truth, to teach their children about what life is like in the kingdom of God. God, may you give us all the strength to prioritize that over all else, no matter what anybody thinks. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church Podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at devotedcity.com.